here we're talking with John Bruno director of Virus which is now out on Blu-ray yeah. a, uh, a cult classic now which is incredible it feels like it just got released uh, yesterday or a few years ago it's, it's a really cool thing I have to I have to uh, uh, a very good friend of ours yes uh, Sherman Augustus uh, is in Virus yep directed by John John say hello to the folks hello everyone out of, out of <laughs> the, the DigiGods world uh, and Sherman is in Virus John directed Virus and Sherman did me a solid by hooking us up with John yes he did uh, to be able to talk about to be able to talk about the release of, of Blu-ray so anyway twi- um, uh, what, what year anniversary of this is 1999 right if I'm not mistaken Virus so that's uh, I keep thinking it was 1998 but because uh, you guys were shooting in 98 well we were shooting no, it's, it's 18, 18, 19 years. So yeah. that's 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 it's at least nineteen. Years. And John, you you go deep as far as genre films. I mean, you yeah. go back to Poltergeist and Ghostbusters, and you come up right. all the way. You, you you've been with James Cameron as a special effects person for right. twenty eight years. Right. And uh, so you know you're you go deep in this genre. You know, Comic Con people they know your name. Yeah. For yeah, it seemed like forever. Uh, Every, every film I was working on was films that were released in the summer. So, you know, they're always big. They're always, you know, the films that end with explosions. <laughs> <laughs> films um, that begin with explosions. And end with explosions. Films that end with That's explosions. Like. Um, walk us back a little bit, because you, uh, practical effects. You were a practical effects guy. Well, that's... explain what that is, as opposed to some of the sort of uh, CGI stuff, that, which much a lot of effects now are CGI. So explain the difference between what you were doing back then and now, and uh, and what goes on a lot now. Well, I mean, my, my background initially was animation. So uh, one day, uh, I I got in line to see this film, Star Wars. I had ten years in animation. I saw this movie, and I. Walked out of the theater, turned around and walked, got in line again to see it again because I wasn't sure what I saw. Yeah. I didn't know how any of that was done. And I thought, I want to do that. Whatever, I don't care what, I want to do that. And I got, uh, and right after that, I, I, got, I got hired uh, to do the movie Heavy Metal with Ivan Reitman as a producer. And I, had, I moved to Montreal, did that film. And while I was there, I uh, Richard Edland, who was the visual effects supervisor of Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi, and uh, what was the other one? Um, Empire, Strikes, Empire Strikes, Back. Strikes Back. Yeah, was showing Empire Strikes Back at the Canadian Film Board, and I walked in and I said to Richard, "Hi, my name's John. I'm an animation guy. I want to do what you do." And he says, "Here's my card. Give me a call." So I ended up in Los Angeles doing post on heavy metal. And I called him, and he says, well, come on down. to, to Come over to MGM. We're posting um, We're posting Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, wow. So I go down there, and I meet. I'm sitting in Steven Spielberg's office. Spielberg, Spielberg walks by. Uh, George Lucas walks by. And there's a poster that says, from the producers of Jaws and Star Wars. Or the makers of Stars and Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I thought I don't belong here. And I was about, I, was, I swear to God, I, I had a reel under my arm. I, I got up, I was going to leave, and Richard <laughs> came in and says, oh, "Is that want to show that reel?" And I said, "Yeah." So I went in, showed them the reel, and they hired me to set up the animation department at ILM. Wow, which the first, which was Poltergeist, uh, Star Trek Two. Jedi and E.T. Wow. So I ran that department. Wow. And Richard left uh, to come to L.A. and we, we started Boss Films. That was with Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's my short story. Well, that's it, great. It, and of course, the, the, the technology we're talking about from, from back then is completely different yeah. than the technology of so, today. So, uh, 
Yeah, all those, what I learned at ILM from uh, Richard and all the guys there, which is a terrific team, I, I, I looked at it as I got to go to school and was being paid to go to school. So we, but the goal from everybody in everybody's mind was photorealism. How do we do photorealism? So if you couldn't, you couldn't do it for real in camera, you really, the scenes were very short. I mean, the shots in Poltergeist are 11 frames, mm. 18 frames. The longest one is 31 frames. Mm. Yeah. Today, they're two minutes. Yeah. But, um, and they did, you know, the, the imploding house was a big model turned on its back and pulled through cables down through a hole in the ground. And we animated glass and flickers and light. Um, so I came up through that. And then when we, the first job that we had, um, and, and then the closet was a little miniature door. I think it was like two and a half feet in, mm. in Poltergeist. With the, the lights come. So in order to get light bright enough, in order to get debris thrown in at the right scale, was, but it was in camera. That was always the, the point. And then uh, I, uh, when Richard went to... Uh, open Boss Film in Los Angeles, it was 65 millimeter, meaning that's four or five times larger than regular 35 film. Um, you, you had better opportunity to do a lesser and almost invisible matte line. Mm. So, because uh, I became, you know, we called it the chemical process of blue screen, chemical. Um, so if we couldn't, if we thought we couldn't get a good composite, we'd just shoot a, a model or a miniature. Ghostbusters shows up, and they said, the goal from Ghostbusters. We have 10 months, in 10 months, this movie will release. How do we get it done? That was, okay, then it's models and miniature. We're going to have a guy in a suit. I was going to say, this is, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the whole scene. When, when, when the state popped. There was, there was no digital. i got to think of that. Yeah. But a guy in a suit uh, against a blue screen. We're going to have a terror dog. We're going to have the, the goat, the... the any ghost was just shot against black and 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 we call it the, and DX or cross dissolved in, into a background, transparent. You know, no no matte line problem. Mm -hmm. but that movie and then with the animation we did um, the explosion of the building with it was a fifteen foot section of the of the hmm. of the building that exploded for real at high speed. So I learned all of that, and I guess. I guess if anybody wants to learn anything, this is animation is what animation rhythm, timing, and understanding how much you see in eight frames mm -hmm. um, is very important. So that movie, of course, Jim Cameron then cast Sigourney Weaver in Alien, Alien Aliens, mm -hmm. um, and I started. We started talking about because he he did practical play. Aliens is really you know full size mm -hmm. queen. Uh, a puppet queen, four feet tall, mm -hmm. three feet tall. I redid that in Alien vs. Predator, but at four feet, four foot puppet, in camera, and a nine foot tall puppet, mm -hmm. a 16 foot tall puppet uh, of the queen uh, in Alien vs. Predator. And then everything we couldn't do with that was animated, wow. digitally. So the queen, the queen, the queen, and Cameron's alien was a four was foot full tall, si no, uh, full size puppet. Full size. Okay. And when it had to move, it was a rod puppet. That Frank Oz type thing. Yeah. Guys beneath the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. So there was no, again, there was no digital. Um, but it was better without digital. It really, it, you know, you don't, you're not. But sort it's of, photography. The, 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 yeah. the difference is even today. I still recommend I'm going to film it within a to keep things within a budget. Uh, the Abyss was five. Uh, we had uh, the only thing digital in the Abyss was was the uh, water tentacle. But the submarines were at different scales of, of full size practical forty foot section. A forty foot submarine um, shot in water. Mm -hmm. um, a fourteen foot submarine shot on a smoke stage. The sub-chase with flatbed and deep core, uh, flatbed was about five feet radio controlled in a, in a swimming pool that we milked up to make it look mm. hazy. Um, nothing digital. We had, <laughs> except for the first, the first really, to me, surprising 
and satisfactory a case of something looking photoreal with the water tentacles. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's only 16 cuts in that. Now, that was mm. the first time... I, I got an Oscar for that. I, yeah, that, that, you, you won a few Oscars. That, that was the first time that water tentacle thing had been used. That became a thing, that effect. You know, they, they obviously it became a very important effect in Terminator 2, which you also worked on. Yeah. Um, talk about that transition there when those digital effects... I remember the morphine effect when that first happened. Michael Jackson had a video. What was that video? Black, black, black and white. Black and oh, that's white. right. Yeah. And all the faces. Talk about when the digital morphine. effects started started coming in. Morphing was the big. That was the big. If you could do that, then you you solved it. You had to animate one shape into another shape. Yeah. Smoothly, uh, and have a computer try to figure it out. But uh, on uh, on the abyss. Um, you know, one day I was sitting with Mike Pangrazio. Pangrazio was the matte painter at ILM. Uh, we were going to go to lunch, and we were sitting on the couch. I was waiting for someone else. We were going to go across the street. It was on Kerner, Kerner, was it Kerner Optical Company in, in uh, San Rafael. Still there, but it's ILM. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George stands in the doorway and says, go next door to Sprocket System and have Alvi... Somebody said, have them show you how to how computers work. What? <laughs> it's that simple. And so Mike and I go over what there. What year is this? This is 80? Somewhere early 80s. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and computers were just more of a, to me, uh, uh, accountant's tool. You could organize things. You could... But... You know, trying to draw something or try, it hadn't yet, wasn't quite there, I didn't think. So the first effect that was being worked on in, Star, in, in it was Star Trek II, uh, The Wrath of Khan, was the Nemo Genesis movie. effect. Yeah, okay, yeah. The Genesis effect where the planet catches on fire, right, this, this moon, and, and creates an atmosphere. It was a one-minute shot. So I went next door, um, and we sat there, and... You know, Mike Pangrazio said, George said, you're supposed to show us how computers work. And I, the guy looked at me and just took a deep, oh. <laughs> And we had a monitor, and he showed, he goes, okay, here's a grid. And it's on black, a white grid, squares, you know, like a checkerboard. Uh -huh. He goes, each one of these in cross intersections is a point in, in, in space. So if you put like a water surface on this, and you pin it to each of these things, you can then rotate it to match your scene or roll it up in a tube. I never forgot that. That's the water tentacle. Really? That's, so, that, that was the found, foundational in moment my, in, the sub, in your my head. subconscious. So I, I believed, because uh, when we actually went out and tried to, you know, I, I, I brought the storyboards. I pre-storyboarded the movie, and we went to different, there were three big effects houses at the time in Los Angeles, one being ILM. Apogee and uh, it was the other one. And Apogee was was John Dykstra's John Dykstra. company, yeah. And nobody else said, "Oh, we can, we can do water." And they showed us the, uh, things that were. The, any anybody that was in computer graphics had, sort of, I called it. It was liquid mercury things or chrome people or chrome, but not quite good animation. It was kind of really annoying to me, actually, uh, or something looked like wiggling mercury and they mm. said well we can take this and and just take the reflection off until it looks like plastic I'm like well i don't know so but ilm uh dennis muran and john knoll i think it was at the time said showed us some some, some moving you know liquid mercury stuff and said uh we can do we can do it we just need development money but, and uh, Jim and I sat in a room and said, well, look, I trust ILM. They're kind of ahead in certain places. I don't know if they can do it, but if anybody's going to do it, it's them. Because we had other things to deal with mm. at the time. And uh, the first, very first test was this thing moving like that. I went, oh, geez, look at that. The next thing that had to be invented, though, for the whole effect to work, was morphing, which Island invented, mm. and took. That was the first time it 
became somebody's face and you could manipulate it frenzy um Am I speaking too much on this? No. Not at all. This is fascinating. This is a great trip down memory uh, lane. This, uh, and and, and, and the, the sort of development of this technology. Right. So what did that lead to? Uh, the the, the uh, water pseudopod, again, trying to be photoreal. Everything with visual effects, they have to look photoreal to me or, or my compadres, or it's it doesn't work. It, it takes you out of the movie. That looked real. Still looks real today. Um, the, uh, that concept of uh, this, the next time it was used was Jurassic Park. You had a wireframe dinosaur wrapped in a skin mm. that you could then have to animate. <laughs> but you could turn it around and you could have source light and go, oh. Mm -hmm. But you, you painted the skin texture and you made it look Whatever. No, nobody's going to tell you that that's incorrect because we don't have one running around that mm. I know of. But that was the next that that, that got us to Jurassic Park. And, um, and oh, Terminator. Oh, T2. Terminator Two. I left out. Yeah. That was the so the second iteration was, and people are going to laugh because um, there's effects shows now. They have two thousand, twenty five hundred effects shots. In yeah. It. Um, Terminator 2, the, 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 um, the character, the T-1000 cop, was 41 shots. That's it. Really? Yeah, so again, keeping in my trying to do things practical, I looked at this and went to Stan Winston. I said, can, we should have a, the guy should have a, somebody should make a chrome or a silver uh, cop jacket, put a chrome face on the guy and a chrome helmet and chrome glasses. And he can be fighting with Arnold and then when he can't do certain things, those are digital shots. That's fascinating because I, I don't think I ever knew that. If you look that. at the movie, I don't think I ever knew there's that. a guy, it's not a guy in a, in, in a but I mean, again, it's quick cuts. I mean, punch and a throw. And which is, which frankly in, in Jurassic Park as well, I mean, the, the really, the really close-up stuff it's, is animatronic. It's animatronic. Still yeah. is. Still, it's still, still quite useful to gather, what is the lighting source the color, what's supposed to look like past this, right, for the rest of the film. So uh, there were 41 shots, and I remember I, I storyboarded all this stuff out, and I was sitting with Jim looking at him, he goes, I said, you, you remember the first thing we saw from, from the abyss, uh, first thing out of the computer in the water pseudopod was a chrome weenie, you know, mm -hmm. this wiggly chrome thing. So that means we can definitely do a chrome guy because it's the first thing that the computer does before you start dealing with the reflection. And so the shot of when the guy captures the uh, T-1000 captures the helicopter and pours himself in, that's a pseudopod. And then he sits up and says, get out. Yeah. You know? um, um, that was the second transition to, I said, yeah, but can we do 41 shots? <laughs> <laughs> That's the big deal, <laughs> uh, which is probably pretty costly at the time too. I imagine it was a million dollars. Really? Yeah. Wow. You, you know, I, in, in you're dropping names that it's to me it's like the pantheon of, of special effects greats because the modern era of special effects really begins. We could say theoretically it begins with uh, with 2001. Correct. And and then you know it takes a big giant leap with uh, with the Close Encounters and Star Wars. But I mean you're you're dropping names here. I mean let me let me let me. Winston, you, Dan Winston. Doug Doug Trumbull. Uh, what uh, so you know what uh, when when uh, Richard Bevan left ILM, uh, Boss Film Corporation was, was Doug Trumbull. Right. So he was partners with Doug Trumbull and Richard Urasich. Uh huh. I was I was just going to say encounters. the Uri the Urasich brothers. Yeah. Uh, Ken Ralston, was, Dennis Murin. Matt Painter. You know all these guys. Yeah, that's well. that's unbelievable to me. I mean, these are like I used to. You know, I you was know, in heaven. I mean, I was like, you know, that I magazine Cinefax. Cinefax. I remember Cinefax. Remember Cinefax? It was that yeah. glossy, that small kind of half size glossy. Like six covers. Came out. That came out. <laughs> you have six covers on Cinefax. Came out every month. I used to go to Westwood, a little comic store in Westwood. You know, I'm I'm in high school. We're geeking out. We're you know we. Sean we, Shea, a good friend of mine. Yeah, we 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 would we would go over to, to this this comic store called Graffiti, and we would just check that new episode of that new issue of Cinefax. It was like seven or eight bucks, and we're like, oh, that really hurts. 
but I'm gonna get it. You know, that was amazing. And that everything in there was we made special paid special attention to make it true and not hold back. Yeah. Because because by the time you did the movie, whatever secret whatever secret you had, yeah, it's out. So, but, and I go back through Cinefix sometimes and go through. I have all of them, right? So I go back and I look at. Oh shit! I forgot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you that, that that I forget. That's a simpler way to do it than what I'm thinking of. Mm. Why don't we do that? Now, now that's what I I think Tim w- wanted to get to as well because is do, do people overthink these things from an effects standpoint? Are, I mean, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy. You you that's just that's that's mayhem. That's effect mayhem. I don't even know how you begin to to conceptualize that. But it, have we gotten to a place where people are now lazy? Where if there's a thing that would be cheaper and and more cost effective and better storytelling and, to and do, look better, look, and look better. better with with practical effects, but they just don't want to have to think it through. So it's like, yeah, just do it in CGI. There's some of that. I mean, part of it is they don't teach uh, model building and miniature work or how to do it as much in camera as possible. Christopher Nolan, British, wants to do everything in camera. Mm. Um, and they have, of course, uh, example, the flying Batmobile chasing uh, uh, movie. One of the Dark Knight movies. One of the Dark Knight But movies. it's flying through streets, city streets. Well, that's practical. And it's on a big hydraulic rig. Full size. Full size. Under a, 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 a sort of, a, I guess, say a, a, a framed up, I'll call it a race car, but a a uh, go-kart system, a mm-hmm. car system all framed up with hydraulic rigs on it, and it's driving at speed, and it's banking, and it's being controlled. And you're just painting that out. Now, on True Lies, True Lies was another situation where that was the first digital movie I actually did. And it's like, well, how do we get this guy, how do we get the Arnold character to fly around in a Harrier? Jim insisted on a Harrier, mm. taking off and flying around landing. Uh, and the digital guys that were at Digital Domain, because that company was built to do that movie, to start with that movie. Digital Domain, yeah. Digital Domain. We had, I, had 30, I had 30 people, 30 digital artists. And uh, and then Rob Legato came in, and at the same, they were, the, following that, they were overlap, overlapping in Apollo 13. And uh, and everybody said, everybody hired there was were digital people, and they said, well, uh, you know, we can we can do this digitally. I went, show me. Show me somewhere because you can, you can buy online a Harrier jet. I went that. Not only does that not look real, it's not even the <laughs> current model of a Harrier jet. So after we storyboarded the movie, it, we did uh, two Harrier models, seven feet long, and a full size Harrier to shoot on stage at first. And then I, and then in in the discussion with Jim and other people, it's like, well, how many of the we're going through the boards and we got to get the budget right? And it's like. Well, this guy's hanging on the wing here later in the story. He's on the wing. Well, maybe we hang a wing off a, like a parking structure or something. And then to find something. Buster and then it turned style. It, and then it turned into, why don't we just put the whole jet up there? Yeah. And then, he's, then Jim said, why don't you go ask the crane guy if that, how much weight that crane will support? And, and, then, I, and then I went to Tommy Fisher, who was the, who was the uh, our special effects guy, floor effects guy. Can you support this this Harrier with actors on it? Um, we'll find balance point. Can you hold this? He goes, yeah, I'll just put a two-inch cable and we'll clamp it here. And we'll, yeah, there's, there's no way that thing will break. And then I went to the stunt guy, Joel. Uh, Joel, Joel, Joel. I'll come back with that. Joel the stunt guy. Joel the stunt guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's going to kill me if he hears this. But uh, Kramer, sorry. Joel Kramer. He goes, okay, I'll be in the jet if you want to swing it out over the street. I went, swing it out over the street? I mean, all these ideas start... Are actually... So this is stuff this is how actually progressing. It's yeah. like, I mean, we, so you went from a you know, little jet, model jet, a little bit bigger model jet. I was going to hang a, a, a wing, model jet over the building you know, and film that. And now we got an actual jet yeah. hanging from a cable off a crane with a dude in it. So the, the, the jet is 7,000 pounds, the, prop, the mock-up. Uh, I went to the crane operator and he goes, I can support 10. He goes, so you're within a safety zone. Well, 
And then we puppeted it, then, then we swam over the street and, and, we sh and we had cables on the wingtips and we would move the jet left and right and the crane would, would swing it. Hmm. That's how it was flying. And then we put, we digitally uh, composited the, uh, the engine fans and this, what we call the heat signature, which is this jet exhaust, blasting this jet exhaust down over an actual practical in-camera element. And uh, when we landed it on the street, the same thing happened. We landed it, it, it hit a cop car. So David Fincher, <laughs> oh, that's great. David Fincher one day, with Arnold in it and Elijah Dushku, the, the young girl. Oh, that's great. 50 feet, you know, the crane driver just said, and we said, don't go above the palm trees. And he goes, he swung it up 50 feet, pulled it up 50 feet. It landed, hit a cop car. Showed this to David Fincher, and David says, uh, okay, I, I know how you did this. How do I do it? He goes, it's a, it's a, it's a miniature cop car, and then as it, it, and it's a miniature at the start, and there's a blend in there where you have all that stuff blowing, and then that miniature hits a miniature cop car. And I went, no, it's all in camera. Yeah. <laughs> but people were pulling their hair out, like, how did you do that? How did you, Jamie Lee, hang up? Jamie, Jamie Lee hung up that helicopter. She insisted to Jim, I, I want to do this. I want to be. I want to do it for real. Um, I remember that. That was a whole thing. That in, was in that little in that little that little black truck. Sherman Augustus just walked in. Sherman, uh, uh, go ahead and grab your mic. You go ahead and grab your mic there. So you can grab it right out of there. Sherman. Uh, Sorry for being late. That's Sherman. all right. I had the uh, put in the uh, wrong flex capacitor in my car, <laughs> so I had to go back <laughs> to the back future oh, and then yeah. get that one to take it to the other mechanic in the past. And now I'm here in the present, so I'm here. And 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 Sherm is uh, is blowing up big right now on Into the Badlands as the character Moon. Who uh, hey. is uh, is a pretty great character, uh, I gotta uh, say. Yeah. I'm uh, chopping and slashing and hacking his way. I'd yeah. say a really good character. Yeah, yeah. Now, now the first time you hired Sherman, uh, Sherman, Sherman's worked for you more than just in Virus. Sherman worked for you on was it Voyager? What Star Trek did Vo Voyager? Voyager? Voyager. Well, he was he was the uh, the catalyst for me getting that job because uh, uh, he recommended yeah. me. I did Tinker Tanner Doctor Spy, which. I was told, I'm told it's a classic. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're told correctly. Um, and you came by to visit. Yeah. And I reckon, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, all Klingons are black guys. The really And I understand why they're mad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that appliance is heavy. And it was probably, what, the hottest summer oh, that year, and you cannot get out of that stuff, I and mean, you have to use the bathroom, you have to like actually disrobe your whole wardrobe, and that wig was heavy, so yeah, but, but and 18 hour days. You got to play a Klingon though, dude. No, yeah, and I understand why Klingons are pissed off. <laughs> and then, then of course that leads to, uh, I, I guess, eventually him him working for you in Virus, which is the, you know, the movie. Was that that, that was after. after Virus. That was after Virus? Yeah. Before... Yeah, I'm. I don't know who who hears all the what, what we're talking about, but the 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 casting process is a hideous process. Yeah. yeah. And from my side to the actor side, I don't know if I should cross the line and say what people say. The actor Please walks do. in and walks and actor walks out and is like. Blah, blah, blah. I, 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 I think it's, it's it's been a long time. I think it's okay. Go ahead and say it. I always complain. Yeah. So so uh, we were. I had. Designed this, I'd written this film with uh, Dennis Feldman, and it was a Dark Horse comic. So we, we, every, everybody insisted that we stick to the, to the comic book because it was a big seller, and um, and one of the and in there was a guy with long hair, Richie, white yeah. guy, smoked dope, and so in my mind that's, that's the guy. So Sherman comes in, and. Uh, he just starts talking, and he and you you made up on the spot, I think. I just started talking. Yeah. Madness. He just started talking and said, "Hello there, Mr. Cable." Yeah. <laughs> and when he said that, I went, "This is the guy." <laughs> you completely talked to yourself, and uh, that you were him. Yeah. To me. Well, right. actually, Tim helped me develop that guy with the. I wanted the uh, the roach clip mm -hmm. around my neck. So yeah. We we, we, we talked about all that. Yeah. The whole we, thing. We, we did all that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. We, you know, because he and I have been, you know, diddling around with this kind of stuff for years and years and years and years. It was actually called All Quite Funny. Um, and then, of course, uh, pressing forward, Avatar, 
by the time you get to Avatar, you know, uh, the, the, the Harrier jets on, on, on cranes and all that kind of stuff is gone. Um, and, and, you know, you got these blue people and you got this. Other, so talk about that transition into the world of your work as it exists today. But, but even though Avatar is all digital, the theory is the same. It's just how you, how you uh, complete it. And when I was on that, you know, I did heavy metal. I did the Tarnas, the girl on the bird. Oh, yeah. yeah. And doing all these shots. And, 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 and the guys at, at Weta are sending me these clips from Tarna. And I'm like, don't, oh man, come on, don't bring that up. But, but it's like, no, I mean, you know, this, that hit a chord. So I thought, well, this is going to work with the, uh, this is going to work with the public, I think. I think this whole idea of flying is going to really work with this girl on this creature, uh, the Banshees. Yeah. Um, but I had, I went into that, I, that technology uh, which was first discussed with uh, Rob Legato, um, brought that to Jim, saying, "Look, you could, we can, we can have this uh, this space on a stage that's the that's the three D volume going back to the water tentacle. That's the three D volume, but we're taking it from here to a a stage. Mm -hmm. So everybody puts on these little suits, and you walk on different, uh, you know." Uh, you're look. You're looking. It looks kind of silly when you're watching it, but you're actually. But what you're seeing, because what the cameras are getting and feeding through computers back to you on on a handheld monitor, is the actual image. Because you have the background low resolution, but the black background that you're in. You're looking at it like a computer screen, but you're holding it mm. like like an iPad. So, and you can and wherever you go in the volume, you can. You see what's in the world you're supposed to be in. Okay, yeah. So um, that was new to me, and I had to learn that at the time. Um, other guys were far, I consider far advanced. But then basically Jim said, you know, I'm talking, I'm here doing this, and I have, you know, and they're starting to do shots at Weta, and I just want somebody that I, that I really know. Can you, can, you, can you do this? And I went, yeah, yeah. Again, I'm. I'll go to school. You pay me to go to school. I'm, okay. I, I didn't think I would have much impact. Well, once I got there, I talked to Joe Letary, who I knew, uh, who I consider one of the best visual effects supervisors ever, and it'll be hard to top this guy. He created Weta for for uh, Lord of the Rings, etc. Um, I talked to him and said, "Look, I'm not going to come down there if you think I'm going to." interfere with your process. He goes, no, 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 I could use help. We just need eyes, you know? This is like, nobody knows how it's gonna work. One shot at that time, once you started the shot, you wouldn't see it for nine months. Mm. Uh, by the end of the film, Avatar, it was three months. So it's gonna be quicker this next few rounds, but, and they double the capacity of their computer hardware. And also, all the, a lot of the modeling has been done now. I mean, you we know what it's the, supposed to look yeah, like. We yeah. we made our mistakes. We did all our stuff. Because um, I know Cameron was talking about that. He says the the next films are going to be cheaper because all the pieces that had to be built from scratch, the digital pieces, they all there. exist now. Yeah. So it's you, you and they'll built be a lot of that. refined and tweaked a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, and they and they know how to do it. So, um, but going down there, I still I still we. Uh, I just like the, uh, they call it the wet away. I just like the way they, they approached work. Mm. All had to look real. Does this look real? That's all I ever did. Everything is like, does this look real? Why doesn't this look real? You have a big monitor, a big screen. We would project it full size and go through the whole frame of a, of a shot and say, that doesn't look right. This doesn't look right. How do we fix that? There was no real, f there was no real, real finals on that film till the very end. Mm. Um, they were all, there was, and then we found out by the time we got to the end, there were three shots in the beginning that Jake Avatar was lost and he has his spear and he's looking around and, and Neytiri's up on a branch and she's gonna, she's gonna nail him, right, with an arrow. Mm. And it's like, and she, like a little, little sprite lands on her, on the tip of her bow and it's like, don't do that. Well, he looked like a dark blue version of Spock. <laughs> really weird. I mean, 
when we got back toward the end of the movie and, and went for, and, and we checked the shots, like, do we redo anything? Is there? Any, there's three shots in the beginning. It didn't look anything like Jake. Because that was what what you guys had learned and, and yes. were applying literally in the process of working. By the time you got to the end of that, what you said, three months, right? Yeah. Uh, the the work you had done at the front, you could make better. Just by yeah, what but you we had to look at the whole movie and realize that didn't look like Jake. Now we should redo that. Mm. Um, but you know, uh, Weta and Letary and all those guys—they're fantastic. I mean, they're fantastic. So, yeah. so, so what? So then, where where are we now? Where what would you say the status is today? You know, because most of the stuff that I'm looking at, we Wade and I, you're with film critics, we see. Big, big, giant special effects movie. What was the big I, one? I just saw one Pir last night. Pirates? Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the, the, what's it? The uh, subheading. Worst movie ever made. Something <laughs> Pirates like that. of the Caribbean. Something the worst like movie that. ever made. Yeah. Um, um, you know, uh, 2003, I think, was that first one, right? Yep, 2003. So we, so we're, I mean, that's, 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 that's 15 years on in terms of technology and everything. That movie looks worse than the first movie. Yeah, it does. Different, different people. Uh, it's it's, it's how, you, how you perceive what... It's what, which director, which art director, which artist, which digital artist do you, you know, pending budget, all wants photo real. Um, like, uh, I mean, that's the goal. And some, some films I watch, I, I enjoy them, but, you know, I, I don't worry about if they look real or not, because some don't. I don't have to say what they are, but um, uh, who's the... This is the first or second? Who, the octopus guy. I'm blanking. Well, that's the second. That's the uh, the Davy Jones. Davy Jones. Davy Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spectacular. Yeah, that was great. I won an Oscar for that, and uh, I had done uh, X Men Three, but and I voted for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got nominated. You know, I was trying to get nominated, but I voted for that being the best picture. And John Knoll was supervised that, and it's just photo real. Maybe there's stuff around them isn't, but. Your focus is on yeah, yeah. something that makes you sit up in your seat, you know, like wow, that's cool. Yeah. And if you don't, you got to do that every time. Though. That's the that's the issue. Well, it's always been a problem <laughs> for me. I mean, the yeah, if, if, if you know, for folks who've listened to me on the show, whenever Wade and I have been on the on, yeah. on the on film week show, yeah, uh, and a big special effects movie was the thing. Generally speaking, for me, it, 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 make it practical. Yeah. I have to believe that it is there in the room, yeah. in the scene, whatever it is. I got to believe it's there. Even if it's not, you still have to make me believe it is. Maybe you can get away with it if it's not the thing I'm supposed to be looking at, right? So say I'm supposed to be looking at something else, and, and that background is, has been helped out a little bit. Well, that's like, okay. It's like in Zodiac. I mean, everything every, in Zodiac, I like... Tons and tons of those backgrounds are completely CG. Exactly, but oh, you're not thinking nineteen seventy whatever yeah. to achieve that. Yeah. But you never really, but you never. If you're looking at the background, then then that actor ain't working right, you know. So so it just that that's beautiful to me. But it, when 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 it's supposed to be the thing I'm looking at, Dragonheart, that dragon yeah. and yeah. Dragonheart. I mean, yeah. it's called Dragonheart. <laughs> the dragon has to look real, uh, uh, and and if the dragon don't look real, we're done. Um, and, and so that's the spot that I that I get to. So often now they bail well before they even get close to making the thing I'm supposed to be looking at in this movie. Yeah, look real. I I still have not seen. Look, it's been over a decade since Reign of Fire, right? Reign of Fire. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, moved I on to technology, and... but that's the best looking dragon I think I've ever seen yeah. to yeah, this day. I agree. That yeah. is an amazing dragon. So when that dragon falls out of the sky and, and that big thing, you know, the big yeah. thing, oh, yeah. and then you have the giant practical dragon down there. You know, and, and I, I, I that I believe that all the way from the sky to the ground, yeah, uh, to the to the actual practical effect. Um, um, you tell me again where you guys shot virus. Uh, it was in one of the Carolinas, right? North Carolina, and uh, then we moved up to Newport News, Virginia. So talk a little bit about that. You had a big giant ship that you were actually on. Well, the, the Vandenberg. Yeah, the Vandenberg comic book uh, has a uh, has the Yuri Gagarin. In it. It's a Russian satellite tracking ship, 700 feet long, that had been scrapped. Because I, I, I had just, I had, I had uh, we'd shot the opening scenes of Titanic, but the movie wasn't there yet. Um, uh, I, I made, I made four dives on the, on the ship, Titanic, in the in mere submarine, and I lived on a, on the Russian ship, the Kelch. Um, and so the, my whole experience. You made four dives on the Titanic. Yeah, 
for Jim, it was the... 19- that, 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 uh, that documentary he, he made, right? Yeah, it was, well, yeah. It was a 1995 uh, Titanic expedition. You, you say that like I went down to the 7-Eleven. That's why I had to yeah, stop and go back. I, I had to back up a little bit. It's all a blur. But <laughs> Jim, there was this whole thing when we did the abyss. Uh, the first submersible dive I ever made was was the on the Kirk Pride in the, in the Grand uh, oh in the in the the Grand Caymans Grand Cayman Islands yeah there's a Kirk Pride yeah yeah seven hundred eight hundred feet to this wreck which was two hundred fifty feet long and that and we did that determined the size of our things and uh, what you could see underwater so. Um, so for um, Jim said, after when the abyss was done, he goes after True Lies. He said uh, he called me one day and said, "I was up for virus, I think." Jim called me and said, "I'm going to dive the Titanic, but you can't tell anybody. You can't tell a soul." He just left, and uh, I got some screaming phone calls from Gail Hurd. I remember that, but. <laughs> we we were in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, you know, and and so the first, what it was was Jim was going to dive, document the ship, try to get a movie made because we got to see if it's possible. And we used film, we used two perf technoscope mm. because that's all it would fit in the cameras. And Jim's brother, uh, Mike Mike Cameron, built these titanium. Housings that could take full full ocean, well, practical to full ocean depth, but we were going to be at twelve thousand five hundred. And I said, "Well, we have one roll of film. We have four hundred feet, and so we're going to shoot it um, twelve frames a second instead of twenty-four, in order to get to get the images." And um, went down, and we had a we had a techno. Uh, a two per projector sent out to the ship, and we put that, and we'd watch dailies. Um, okay. In, in the in the in the in one of the the, the, the rooms, right? And um, that's Titanic. And so I was in with I was with Al Giddings in the in Mir Two with the lighting package, and we would you know skirt along the the, the, the front the deck and up the up the front uh, you know we call the the crow's nest, the where the crow's nest was, that post. Yeah. So I'm in the movie, but I'm in the submarine. <laughs> and I did have lunch in front of the bronze telemotor, best lunch I ever had. Uh, cold hot dog. It's a Russian lunch then. <laughs> cold hot dog or submariner's lunch. Let me mm-hmm. knock the Russians. But uh, a, a cold piece of bread, and a, I think it's broccoli. Best lunch ever. so this experience um, I was out there and I had the script to virus so I started writing in the characters that are in the mirror spaced oh and then uh, every Wednesday I would go there's Valeria I think it's called Valeria her name she was the scientist this was a science vessel they team science labs on one guy had a uh, uh, he had a blue laser, green laser, excuse me, green laser, with a mirror that would stick out the side of the ship, and he'd, he'd hit that mirror to get a density reading of the ocean at wherever we were. Oh. He had a big book, and they, you know, they would do it every day. <laughs> and he'd turn it around and and not and, and 45 degree angle and pop it up vertical as the mirror, station, mirror space station went over. Mm-hmm. And they would talk to the guys. That's wow. where that stuff came from. Where I have uh, Joanna Pakula talking to the Mirror Space Station playing chess. Vectors. Yeah. They were using vectors. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Love it. And that was all to get, uh, you know, air particles, the amount of particles, the brightness of that laser beam at that height or that depth. What does it read? So, Jim, the one thing that Jim said, he says, well, I don't know if I can do this movie. I mean, it's like, it seems really big. <laughs> My first movie. And he said, just make it your own, man. And then, while we were at sea, wow. we went through Hurricane Lewis. Yeah. Uh, which was a kick-ass storm. 
Uh, and that one, of course, that's how the movie opens. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's what I remember visually. Uh, it's un- Yeah, there's no... So this you, whole just, thing about, you took that experience and put it into your strip. Yeah. What was the best part of making Virus? I mean, big movies, effects movies, sci-fi movies, everybody always says they come with... They're, 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 <laughs> they're great, but they come with baggage. So you got fun, but you, you got fun mixed in with a lot of stress and a lot of headaches where, you know, you got to... You, well, <clears throat> nobody... I'm talking from the director point here. Nobody can... You're, that's my first movie. The sea star accidentally sunk, right? What? When they got it there? What? Remember the, this, when, this, when the, sea star, uh, the, uh, the, the sea star, it sinks, yeah. but it was there that day, and it was just sitting there, and then it just went underwater a couple of days before it just... I mean, yeah, this problem. <laughs> yeah, Spielberg can, couldn't get that shark to act yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, um, nobody can, I don't care what anybody tells you, they sit you down like, let's have a talk. <laughs> this is what it's going to be like directing. It, no way that anybody can give you the speech. Because I kept, I kept, would call Jim and say, Jim, I need this, I need the talk. He goes, what talk? And, you know, wh- what happens if it says, you gotta, you gotta. That's being a director, man. You gotta yeah. go with it. Wow. He was doing Titanic, so his problems were far superior to my problems. And we would talk on Sunday, every Sunday. Me at three in the morning. Yeah. Um, when he was rapping, be you know midnight, in Mexico, and he'd just ask me what's going on, and, t- and I'd tell him and. Going on with you, and he goes, I think they're going to fire me. You know, I said, um, but you know, it's just it's going it's going over. I said, well, I'm going over. And then he goes, <laughs> he goes you can't, don't let him get. You got to just get in there, man. You just got to do it. And, like, and that's what kept me going. And because uh, it was it was a big technical uh, film that relied on uh, a big army of, of people. To get these shots <laughs> that involved actors, it wasn't because it was all practical. Yeah. So actors were in the shots. Not that we could just go in. And I think that's what happens today with people. They, they think uh, we don't want to deal with all that. We'll just put them in actors in front of a green screen, and we'll put that stuff in later when we're not going to, you know, because principal photography is the most important thing to a studio. Mm. We got to finish on this many days because it's two hundred thousand dollars a day, maybe more today. And if we can get that done, then we can take our time going back. Or if you don't know what it looks like out the window, because we used to, you know, Cameron, uh, everybody used to use RP. If you're driving in a car, something being projected in the window. There's actual, it's in camera. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't do that anymore. It's green screen, we'll figure out what goes in there later. That's, you get done faster, but... um, I think there's more panic in that than knowing what's in your shot. Yeah, we actually had things to look at that actually was... You could react to the we creature. Were reacting to something that was real, mm. you know, instead of having a director. Okay, you see it over here. Okay, it moves over there. It's behind you now. No, I mean, they were throwing... When things were thrown at you, it was thrown at you. When things were breaking <laughs> apart, you breaking apart. When you had to shoot something, you had to shoot something, mm. you know. And I think there's a lesson in that, too, that practical effects are not just great for an audience, not just great for storytelling, but they're great when yeah. you're when you're acting. They're great yeah. for actors. Exactly. Exactly. You had to drop an anchor. There's a scene you drop an anchor on the on the tugboat. That's real. Yep. <laughs> yep. I had to stop that anchor too. Yeah. That was real. Well, as I you know, as I run that movie in my head, I think about how many how many how many shots today, uh, how many of those shots would be CGI. You know, how much of that would just be CGI? Just period. Uh, whole, uh, whole. You, could, you could do it CGI today, but not in camera, not quick, uh, not for the same price. But I mean that, and that's always that's the job. The trade off. Well, yeah. you, you, so so settle this question for us. Uh, you would know the answer to the question. What is more expensive, CGI or practical? And I know that these things go together to a certain extent, but but in a bottom line kind of way. The notion has always been that oh CGI will be way less expensive. It doesn't seem to be less expensive. How do these how do these things break down price wise? Well, when we set up when Digital Domain was set up, um, even even George Lucas used to say shots will be sixteen thousand dollars a shot. 
hmm. in digital in the digital world. Um, and it, you know, then people would you know build their own companies because then they don't have to charge themselves any overhead. Hmm. But um, digital shots, um, I don't want to get into the price, but um, certain things. They used you, what used to be shots was wire removal. It's no longer mm. a shot. It's like two grand, seven hundred bucks. Somebody paint that out. Mm-hmm. It used to be twenty five thousand dollars, <laughs> but all that stuff's coming down. But what I look at in certain certain shots is you have twenty five artists doing a creature. Well, each one of them is doing the creature the way they see the creature. There's not one. If you have something practical in the shot. The lighting's the same across 25 cuts, and the the movement's the same. And there should be, like in traditional animation, a key creature supervisor that animation poses, things like that. Um, airplanes flying through shots. Uh, um, what's the Christopher Nolan film um, about time travel? Um, oh, um, oh, time travel. What, what was that one? I was th- I was thinking of the. Um, the one where we are... Interstellar. 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 Oh, Interstellar, right, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's a big practical spaceship on a crane. You move it around. Big camera on it, spinning it around, doing all that stuff's in camera. He, above anybody today, does stuff as much in camera as possible. And 70 millimeter, mm-hmm. IMAX plates. Wow. You're watching a movie, even Batman. The screen's here, and then suddenly it goes like that. Yeah. That's, that's IMAX, and it goes back. But... Um, just to get the detail and quality and richness of, of the look of film. Now, in this new red camera stuff, like what they can do, they can get there. It's just um, um, I think I I think I still would when I storyboard a scene or, or for a movie, I just look at it as what can we at first as can we do this for real? I don't think this can be done for real, so that's going to be a you know I put a red sticker on that drawing. And when you go through it, it's like, okay, we have a jet. Well, we're going to build one this big, and we can use it in this shot, this shot, this shot. Okay, we build one jet, not two. Okay. Um, um, and it's just, that's my approach to it. But, uh, yeah, because, and so in, in Virus, they didn't, they didn't want any digital shots. I mean, that was still, it was more expensive to do things digital than the practical. The studio didn't want any digital shots. Well, it was more expensive at okay. that Back time. Okay, back then. Um, but at the end, we couldn't get the robots to do everything. So Phil Tippett came in, and whenever the robot moves really well, um, it's, it's a, a digital, digital shot, and they match perfectly. Mm. Uh, uh, one example of puppets, there's a, uh, Donald Sutherland walks into the, engi- uh, into, the, into the computer room where everybody's got their bodies are being repurposed. Oh, shot, too. Then he, he uh, there's a creature, a, a big robot standing there with his hand on a door, and then the door opens, and the thing looks at him, and it closes. Well, the arm was just tied to the door, and they moved the door. It looked like the creature did it. And then uh, the same thing inside of his puppet. Uh, the scene where Richie and, uh, Richie, well, Sherman and uh, Marshall Bell come in, the, what do we call that room? I don't know, but it was so cool. That yeah. was my first. There were fourteen shooting. robots in oh, there, yeah. making yeah. robots for real. Yeah, yeah, that it was, was really so happening. So, we, and so we could move the camera, we could do stuff, and reset everything, and start again. And different angles do the same thing. So and what, you, you should talk about that. I'm, I'm taking up the. No, 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 no. This is the John Bruno hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all it's 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 all fascinating, and 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 it, certainly it's always been sort of interesting to me. Particularly as we look back at these things from today, that you you watch a television. We started out talking about Game of Thrones and how they are all over the world. Yeah. Um, with these different units doing different things uh, at different times of the year, but it really never stops. Um, uh, it's it's there's always something happening for Game of Thrones and yeah, different. I did uh, I did do uh, two seasons of Star Trek Voyager, um, and that was you know. As as a television director uh, coming in, you are you're the guest, yeah. right? Like we can do this without you, but we know there's contracts. <laughs> there's a director's guild, um, and you show up, and 
the sets have been built, you're in the middle of some series. They all know where everything is. I had to learn, like, wait a minute, where's the science station? <laughs> and um, and it's all on the bridge, and you're uh, and just shooting that. The actors know what they're supposed to do. Basically, you at first I thought I'm supposed to tell them, and then you know I would get this. Why don't you watch what I do? <laughs> they do this. Like, oh, okay, yeah, let, let's do that. Um, but I did storyboard my first one, Tinker, Tanner, Doctor, Spy, because I, I had all these things that I thought were funny. It was a comedy that you know, I wanted to cut to an angle like this and cut to an angle like that. So I had it in my head. Um, and that, that show was really, for me, that first Tinker, Tanner, of course, uh, you know, Brandon Braga hired me. It was, to me, um, written by Joe Minoski, who's doing the current CBS Star Trek. Yeah. One of the guys working on that. Um, it was actually fun, and the DP was having fun because we were just doing the songs and weird. It was it was it was, it was fun, but the one thing uh, that they told me in the beginning I said, "Well, you realize you have to shoot eight pages a day." Uh -huh. I went eight pages a day. I've only shot a page and a half a day, maybe three in my at my best. And it's like, well, maybe 10 pages a day. And I'm like, oh, man, how does this work? And anyway, they showed me how it worked. That's why you have those walk and talks. Yeah. You, you, you get off, you know, two and a half pages, three pages, and a walk and talk down, down a corridor. That's what, in every, every show, there's got a walk and talk. Um, and uh, <laughs> one angle. And then you look for oneers. That was the big thing that I, that was, I, was, uh, I learned. What, how do we do a, a oneer, which can get you through everything with maybe an insert? And you can get through pages, and then then I started applying that to live action. Yeah. Um, you know, the best at wonders is is uh, uh, Scorsese. He opens it with a five minute shot, right? Um, walking through, uh, uh, walking uh, raging through the raging bull, uh, walking yeah, through right. that, yeah, the, that camera behind, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, uh, did I answer your question? I yeah, yeah, you did. You did. It's all it's all fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> Anyway, guys, uh, look, I can't, I can't, I can't. Sherm, thank you for, for we hooking got, up. Before, before we t wrap it up, the Argo story. Oh. We, we cannot, we cannot Argo. kill this until we talk Argo. We talk about Argo. And when we talk about Argo, we're talking about Argo. The Argo Realize. that just popped into people's heads. That movie. Yep. Mm -hmm. with, the movie. with Ben Affleck. But also, we're going to talk about, uh, John, walk, walk, walk the audience through the Argo, through your portion of the Argo story. All right, 19... Uh, 79, 1980, uh, you know, there was the Iraq hostage situation. Iran, yeah. Iran, I'm yeah. sorry, Iran hostage situation. And uh, through my career, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to be a makeup artist. And, and uh, my cousin, John Israelit, and introduced me to John Chambers. John uh, Chambers played by John Goodman in the movie, people yeah. will remember. And I spent, uh, I wasn't in the union, so I... But I, I, I really, you know, Planet of the Apes, I want to know how to do that, you know. And uh, he would have me, I, we actually, when I first met him, he, he showed me how, you know, have me do stuff, mix some, you know, mix materials that could be poured and, and to make molds and stuff. And, but I wasn't in the union, so I, I worked out of his garage in Burbank, right behind Disney Studios. That's as close as I'll get you. But <laughs> um, um, he... Uh, would would uh, sit in, in the in the so when you're not doing anything he's really a, a helpful guy he, he became a mentor and he goes I know you want to do this so you know I got some work you can come over to my garage and we'll just you know I'll pay you a hundred bucks fifty bucks I'm happy to do it so when they needed designs for characters like uh, beneath the planet I think he paid me $100, and I just drew some character <laughs> sketches. Um, at the time, I was doing Donald Duck comic books at Disney Studios, which paid 45 bucks a week, if they, a, a page, if you delivered the pages, or they, they would mark them up and send them back. I mean, I never, I maybe made 45 bucks a week. And uh, he had me come in and um, do these sketches, and then he says, you know, I got this other thing. That, uh, 
that I, I may produce this film. You know Jason and the Argonauts? I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, oh, creatures and things. He goes, well, it's, you know, the Argo is the ship from Jason and the Argonauts. I'm like, yeah. He goes, so, but you have to come in the office to work. So we're setting up an office. And we have some scouts. They're in the Middle East. And uh, they're scouting to see if this can be done. So we need some sketches. I mean, I found out later they had other sketches from uh, Jack Kirby, but I don't know if those are used or not, for real. I mean, the movie, I, I, let's, let's not think of the movie for a second. <laughs> so I would go in there, and I sat in there, was, there, was, there was a room, you know, 15 by 20, four desks in it. There was a coffee machine in front of me that I would make coffee sometimes. And John was in there, in and out, um, and he would tell me what to draw. And I said, can I see the script? And he goes, no. Shit, you know. <laughs> uh, and I would draw these sketches, and he'd take them away. And then um, I didn't even know if they were used. I mean, they were just characters. And um, and but I would pin things on the wall. The space, the, it wasn't a spaceship. It was a, it was a sailing ship. And one day he goes out, and he comes back, and he's got all the pages from. He's got six Hollywood reporters. And he goes, here, have this one. This is a big double spread of Argo. And, uh, which is not how it looked in the movie. But, um, and then uh, he goes, now, when, when I leave the office, when, when me and so-and-so leave the office, you have to um, you know, answer the phone. Somebody answers the phone. You say, you know, yes, this is Argo Productions. OK. So then one day, he, a, a, a guy comes in. And he's got a briefcase. And it, he opens it up next to me. And it's full of $100 bills. And he comes around, and he looks at me, and he goes, how many weeks? I went, uh, three. And he gives me $400, something like that, cash. And I look at John, and it's like, well, what? And he goes, so he just waves it like, so. And I never signed anything. You know, it's like, well, it's cash on the table. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and then the guy, they, then he and John went, to, went out and went to lunch or something. So, and then seeing that in the movie, I kind of went, maybe there was $10,000 in every day. <laughs> That's the number. That's the number. <laughs> so, so um, and then, then uh, to end this quickly, he comes in and goes, hey, man, they've all, they're all back. I'm like, oh. So the scouts are back. I don't think there's going to be a movie. I said, That's, I don't know, it's too expensive. I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, but what about this? I got this money. He goes, keep the money. Don't worry about it. So that was that. 32 years later, I'm in a theater in Pasadena, and here comes this Argo with John Goodman as John Chambers. And it was as much of a shock to me as anybody. <laughs> I had no, no idea. Oh. And, and I wish they would have, someone from the production at the time, although they didn't know I existed, would have asked me, because I, I just have information, you know. Yeah. About wow. that, what? Who was in the rooms? Who yeah. came in, in and out? Wow. But oh. The, oh, and it was at it was at Vine and Gower, Gower Studios, Sunset yeah. and Vine, mm -hmm. not Warner Brothers. Did yeah, they do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, at least we know there was a there was a time when the CIA did not loot. <laughs> Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. It's a good secret to keep. But as far as I'm concerned, John Bruno, you rescued the Iran uh, hostages. You brought them home safe, sir. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Hey, guys, thanks for coming by. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for talking about the virus. Thank thanks for talking about the business. Uh, thanks for talking about all that special effects stuff. The, I'm, I'm sure the audience would really, really enjoy it. They're yeah, going to eat it up. They'll eat it up. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Good luck.